There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Sam Brett, welcome to The Mentor. Thank you, Mark. How are you going? Good. I'm so happy to be here. It's my first in-person podcast that I've ever done because I launched my brand in the middle of COVID. Don't look at that camera. <laughs> I can't help it. I was on TV for almost 20 years. Right. Not showing my age. <laughs> well, you're not. Um, <laughs> and, and, you, and you come with the TV habit, so and uh, yes. the podcasts are completely different. And then this is just a chat. Listen, Mag, and I want to talk to you about your product. I want to talk to you, which is called Naked Sundays. I like that. I thought I wanted to be, you know, when I read the brief and I saw the brief, I didn't read it, but when I saw the brief, I thought, Wow, she got some sort of um, nudity thing going on here and uh, like every Sunday she's got a boat that goes and picks up because there's a boat in Sydney Harbour that um, you can go on and um, I saw it on the news. You can go on and um, it takes 50 people or something and they all get naked on this boat mm. and they find some spot in the harbour and they all jump off and swim in the naked and all that sort of stuff. So I thought, what have it something to do with that? That was my first thought. Look, you can wear your sunscreen. You you can wear your naked Sundays when you go on the naked boat. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm not going on the naked boat, but I'm definitely <laughs> interested in the, the sunscreen. But it's more I, I presume this is a product for women. You know, it's or- funny because a lot of men actually steal their girlfriend or wife's spray it's a sunscreen spray. Right. It was the first one in Australia and they steal it for their golf bags and they take it with their golf buddies um, on the golf course and they say to me, please change it from lilac to something else. But, you know, I grapple with that because you never want to make a product. Well, you do. What I was going to say, you never want to make a product for everyone. You need to really niche it. And so I keep telling myself, no, let's just, we're niched. We're for women. But then I think, but the men want it. So do I make it white? Do I make it black? You know, and then I'm like, oh. Can't be for everyone, you know. That's a very interesting point. So mm. in your experience that if you make a product that you should stick to your original game plan, stay stay in your lane if it works. If it's working and it's selling to a particular marketplace, market through the marketplace, mm. don't change your audience. Yes, I do think so. And you just go narrow and you stick to what you're good at yep. because everyone comes up to us, we just do sunscreen. That's what we're expert in, SPF. And everyone says, do skincare, do tools, do other things, do men, do kids. But our core audience is this millennial female 
audience. And so, yes, of course I want to be something for everyone, but then you're scattergunning and you're maybe putting your um, eggs into other baskets. Whereas we are so narrow and we've cornered this market that I just feel if I'm going to expand, um, I want to make more products for that particular market. I know that market now back to front. I know what the girls want, what their next product is, what they use before they use my product after, what handbag they want to put it in. I know so much about them. I just feel like I can really just tap into that market. It's interesting when you um, when you're running a business and uh, it's doing well, you start to think to yourself, "What is the risk that I'm carrying if I don't create a new product and or if I don't go to different audiences? What's mm. the risk? The risk I might saturate my current audience. The risk is um, another player comes in and starts to take market share from me. They might copy me, which is you know pretty common these days." Um, so therefore, there's a, the the risk of not doing something mm. is quite high, and therefore I should therefore create another line of product. Mm. But equally, when you make that decision, you've created a new risk. That that risk is the risk of spreading myself too thin, yes, and and, mm-hmm. and or confusing my audience because I always thought this is just for me, female, uh, as opposed to now. I now see it's used by men as well. How do you reconcile those two risks and do you have people you talk to about it? Yeah, Mark, it's difficult. So just so you know something about me, I do not have people. (laughs) I started the business all by myself. I still do everything. So I'm the CEO, the VP of marketing. I'm the e-commerce manager um, or e-commerce bitch, as they say. (laughs) Um, I make the product, I decide the new product. So it really is just me. And sometimes I feel I would really like to have people around me that can advise and that can help with those decisions. bounce things off. Yeah, (laughs) we'll bounce bounce things off. And really the only person I have is my husband. He always helped me with the financials. So I say to him, because he's an expert um, in finance. So he's from a hedge fund background. And so he researches companies all day, every day. And the one thing he says to me is stick to your lane, go narrow, go narrow, but wide with geographies. And I always thought, look, that's his opinion, but I always thought that's quite good advice. That's the only advice I've got. But it's worked for you so far. It's worked for me so far in the sense that I have ideas. I want to do so many different things and I love skincare now and I'd love to branch out and I love, I've got a daughter, I'd love to do stuff for kids. And obviously the men really want the mist now, but I've just keep that message in my head keeps playing, which is just narrow, but wide geographies. So one product, not one, we've got about 10, but one niche and then go wide. Well, one audience, one niche and go worldwide. How does one control their enthusiasm to go broader? You know what? I'll tell you a very simple answer, cash flow. (laughs) Mm. Explain that. So I have a finite amount of cash. Yep. And we these products, the one that you've got here, which is the mist, which is what I started with, we sell one probably every seven seconds around the world. It is so popular. We're making tens of thousands of this. I need that money that I have, and it's only a finite amount of money, to keep creating the product that everyone wants. So I've tried it where I'll put in a couple, uh, I would say tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars into a new product and it doesn't sell as well. And then I've sold out of my number one product and as the number one product in Mecca as well. And so we see a massive dip that month when we don't have our number one product to sell. So you have tried um, having a broader range of products outside of this particular mist? Yes. Yeah. And, yes. and the experience wasn't great. So, so if I said to you, yes. here's 100 million, 
let, let's say we could get around the cash flow problem. Yes. So here's a hundred million dollars. What would you do with that hundred million dollars? Would you just? Oh, that's a great question. Would you then try and just make more of this and sell into more markets? Look, this is such a great question and it's one that I think about because people are like, put your brand, make a diffusion line, go into Woolies, go into Coles, you know, but everyone around the world wants this one. This is our hero product. We have two hero products. So this is one of them and I've got in my bag the other one for you, which I don't think you'll like as a tinted moisturizer sunscreen. But anyway, some guys use it. Um, I would go far and wide with this one product. To get into a US um, retail that I won't mention names is a million dollars to buy into that retailer in order to make the gondolas and your displays. And so I could, so you give me a hundred million, I'll go into a hundred of those stores. That's not right. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, not a lot of but stores. With this one product though. With this one product. Yeah. So so what you're saying is you you have not exhausted um, your the, your potential audience with this one product. No, we're just getting started. So, so let's say I gave you a, a billion dollars. In other words, I'm loving this conversation. Yeah, so it's enough to get into <laughs> okay. you know a lot of these let's call them WalMarts. Yes, and uh, you know you got all the stands and you're and you now have got market saturation. Mm. Do you still just stick to that product and then you say okay? I now got to start to do um, variations. Look, absolutely. I would definitely do variations. We've gone into body. I've got a body mist. We've got a mini mist. We're bringing out a, a, another special mist soon. We've got a new fragrance, which is now this one. So we've done variations. And then I've got the whole gamut of the sunscreen. So we've got um, moisturizer to undo your makeup, um, balms. So we've started the world's first makeup slash sunscreen range. So it's makeup meets SPF. Yep. So it's a whole range now and that's doing really well. So I would really go in, I would just expand, but keeping it narrow in SPF. Right. High performance Australian made sunscreen. But I would try and go wide with the whole, my dream is to have a whole face of sunscreen, whether you're using your mascara, your lip, your lip oil. We made the world's first SPF lip oil. Now those things aren't massive sellers like this one. We're not selling tens of thousands every week, but it really lifts the whole brand um, equity when we are able to niche ourselves as the experts in the world in SPF. SPF stands for sun protection factor. Is that right? Correct. Yep. I don't think anyone's asked that in a long yeah. time, but yes. So SPF stands for sun protection factor and yours is 50 plus. Is that a globally regulated? Yes. Yes. Standard? Yes. They put people in baths and they put sunscreen on them and they sit them and it's the same standard across the world. Um, so they test on humans yep, <laughs> is yep. what I'm getting at. Yep. And they test it around the world. So there's Princeton, which tests, which we use in the US. There's in Australia, there's a number of testing houses. And so what I do for our products is I make sure they're TGA, which is our testing standard in Australia, and then FDA, which is the American US. standard. They're all got the same results. They're all putting the same amount of sunscreen. It's um, it's exactly 2 mg squared per centimeter squared of your skin. So you've got to have the certain amount of sunscreen across your skin. You have it on 10 subjects. You sit them down for a certain amount of hours. I don't know the mechanics, but it's the same test on the same, um, the same number of people all over the world for every sunscreen in the world. The difference is that they say Australians got the highest standards in the world because we don't allow 
you just say SPF 100. SPF 50 plus is our maximum and they're very strict on what you can and can't say about sunscreens and the rules as to how you need to apply them as well and need to be on the packaging. They just want people to be using it properly. They see it as a therapeutic. It's the Therapeutic Goods Administration that regulates sunscreen. Because I'm trying to work out why your product does particularly well. Maybe the, I'm sure there's a number of reasons. I mean, maybe people like the shape of the and the feel of the the, the canister. That, maybe that the, is it. Yes, they like probably like the color. Um, maybe they like the name. But then in terms of the product itself, mm. um, maybe they like the fact that it's a spray, um, and maybe they like the fact that it's an Australian mm. product. But maybe take me through it. What what are the what are the highlights that makes your product sell one every seven seconds? I think it was. Look, I. Wish I could tell you. I started, I'm not from this industry. I was a news reporter yep. for almost 20 years, but I thought to myself, I'm out on the sun, in, a, in the sun, in a full face of makeup with heavy TV lights all day. I'd go out at three o'clock in the morning, would I put sunscreen on? Maybe, maybe not. I'd be out in the road from five in the morning till five o'clock at night, sometimes <laughs> the next day still, if it's a big story. And I was getting burnt and I would see people coming back to the office after a big story and I'm telling you, Mark, they would have cuts across their faces. One came in with a cut across his head um, and it was skin cancers being cut out of their faces. Wow. And no one had an ability when you've got a full face of makeup on in the sun to reapply their sunscreen. Now, no one's read the TGA rules closely or any rule on the back of the sunscreen. But what it says is you need to reapply every 90 minutes, otherwise it is useless. So you go up, you wake up, you put on your sunscreen. I would put it on at 3 o'clock in the morning, which is when I got ready, but normal people put it on at 8. They go out. They don't think about it. So they go out, they get their lunch, they walk around the park maybe at lunchtime or they go out to the beach in the afternoon if you're lucky and you're not thinking about sunscreen at all. So I thought what is there? where is there a gap in the market? Not from a what's going to sell standpoint, just from what do I need? And that's and I'm not from, as I said, not from this industry, no, knew nothing about skincare. I just knew there was a gap. What drove you to do this? Do you I, remember the moment? Yeah, uh, yeah. So I do remember the moment. I was in the bushfires of 2019-2020. I was in a party dress as I do every every year reporting for Sunrise Live and it came into my ear that um two firefighters had been killed in the bushfires. You mean the bug in your ear? Yeah, the bug in my ear on live TV yeah. and they said go and you you're in you're in your Sunrise best, you know, New Year's Day. I did it every year outside the bridge and I got into a car and I put on the orange jumpsuit, the fire jumpsuit, and you, I drove through fire. for. It took us seven hours to get to the fires and my job is this to go. This one down the south. Yeah, south coast of New South Wales, and my job is to go to the fires. Mm. My job is everyone else is evacuating. So we're seeing t thousands of cars lined up and people are just kids like outside the car just waiting. You couldn't get out and I'm driving to it. And I get there and homes are decimated and there's no food and there's no water and there's nothing. And I remember having to sleep out on the floor um, next to a lake with nothing. We were fine. You know, you're fine. Like your truck, you've got water. And we gave families some water and one kid let me sleep in his bunk bed that had no electricity. He's like, we've got a bathroom. I was like, I'm sold. I'm sleep. Had two hours sleep. And that night, it was just so devastating, Mark. And <laughs> to be in it, you know, when these people are crying and they've lost their homes and you're right there. And I remember going on my phone and I remember, cause I had this idea for the sunscreen and I thought, oh, 
how fun. I was looking at designs. And if you look at my products, it's rainbow, lilac, beautiful, fun, sexy name, delicious ingredients, watermelon, hyaluronic acid, beautiful skin. I was like, you know what? I was obsessed with being a news reporter. That was my life. I would go to the fire, the flood, the terror attack. I was there. I was live on the scene. I am excellent at live news reporting, maybe not so much at podcasts, but that's my thing. You know, I'm there. I'm, I'm on the scene. I'm, I'm not interested in telling the story a month later. I'm, I'm there. I was the girl that was there and asking any of my bosses, they were like, you work seven days a week doing this. And this, it just, it got to me. It was this, this, this bushfire was literally the worst I'd ever seen of any story. And, um, and I just was like, this is such a fun, positive thing. And, you know, my staff said to me yesterday, there was a stress at work as there is. They said, one of the girls said, oh, but we're not saving lives. And then the other young girl said, but we are, we really are. We are helping people protect their skins from, and, and trying to maybe decrease the melanoma rate. So it's such a positive thing. And so the light bulb went off then. I was like, I want to do that. I want to give this a shot. Imagine this could be such a wonderful positive experience for people to create this product that people would love to use and would help with their with 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 not getting skin cancer. Just laying in the bunk bed. Of a, of a four-year-old kid who let me share his bunk yeah, bed. Yeah, yeah. In an orange jumpsuit with no food, no water, no bathroom, no no makeup. I was I looked like you'll see it. It's on it's on the Seven News website still, because that was like I did the whole crosses for the whole week from this one spot. No one could get in or out. Was it Malua Bay? Um, it was uh, Lake Conjola. Lake Conjola, just near yeah. Malua Bay. Yeah. And, and so when you when you were thinking this, yeah. laying in this kids, yeah. kids bunk bed, yeah. do you sort of jump out of bed and write something down? Yeah. What did you do? I wrote down lilac and rainbow. Right. Yeah. You wrote fun. Down I wrote fun. So you, fun. You, you had in your it's mind the fun. product. Yes. SPF. Yes. But you wrote down. But you had a thought, this has got to be about fun and rainbows and lilac. Correct. Yeah. Tell me, why rainbows and lilac? I, mean, what's I could not. I had to think of the most fun thing that people would just find joy in using the product. And when you look at Naked Sundays, it has a holographic, everything has holographic. And when it's in different lights, it shines in different ways. And so what's happened is, and I launched 2021, and now sunscreen being cool has actually exploded. And I'm proud that I'm part of that movement. But I thought to myself, how am I going to spread this message? Uh, I did not use my name or tell anyone that it was me, Sam Brett from Sunrise that launched this for nine months. So I thought, so okay. you did a side hustle? To the side hustle, thought it's got to launch and it's got to stand on its own two feet. And my point is, is that I would have had to get an influencer community to spread the word or people wanting to spread it where millennials are, which is what it's aimed at because millennials are most susceptible to skin cancers. Um, and think about it. My generation didn't think about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> did, did, just, didn't think about it at all. I hated wearing sunscreen. No, I didn't. It's well, white. Just wasn't thought. Just didn't, wasn't a thought. I never no thought about getting wrinkles from the sun or sun cancer. Mm. It wasn't a thing. So to re-educate, because they weren't actually thinking about it that much. It really has exploded in the past two years. Yeah. But but to get them to think about it, where do they go? They go on social media. Yeah. And so to make to make them want to share a sun-safe message with their friends on social media, it had to be the packaging had to speak to them and to their hearts and to their friends. And so I thought if I could do lilac and rainbow, and I say rainbow, but it's really a holographic mirror effect, which looks super cool oh, on and the sexy packaging, on, the packaging. on the packaging, which looks amazing on social media because the light reflects and it bounces around. It had to be something that was going to catch everyone's eye. Okay. So 
here you are, you know, you've woken up with a light bulb moment and you've you sort of come up with your your theme, your thematic, but you've got to make, make this stuff and, and, you, mm. and, you work, and you're working at Channel 7 so you're going yes. to do this at night. First and foremost, you thought, was, I, I presume, first and foremost, you thought, I've got to have a name. I've got to give it a name. Yes. Was that the very first thing? What am I yes. going to call this thing? Why, why <laughs> the hell do you call it Naked Sundays? Um, do you know I used to write the dating column called Sam in the City? Did you? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so I started my career, I was writing the SMH for, and it's called Sam in the City. Anyway, the whole thing about the column on um, the, in the newspaper was that it had to have a catchy headline every single day. I had to draw the readers in. So I very much learned how to be a marketer and do good headlines. However, with this name, it wasn't a purposeful, like catching people in due to the word naked. I thought to myself, what do I want the product to represent? So I wanted to combine sunscreen and skincare. And so I thought on Sundays is the day mostly I don't go on the news and therefore I don't wear makeup. And right. so it's just um, naked skin for a better word, like naked face, no makeup. So yeah, I thought yeah. that's that's what I thought. I thought if you wore your sunscreen every day, you would have this beautiful glowy skin, naked skin. So bare Sundays didn't sound as good as naked Sundays. Um, and then Sundays was my favorite day. So I thought if I could combine those two words and lots of people hated the name. Lots of people said it was stupid. But I remembered it. It doesn't matter if they hate it or like it. If 50% hate it and 50% like it, as long as they remember it. It's a good point. And naked, naked is a good word. Um, it, it's, mm. It has a lot of, um, it's quite an emotive word. So are Sundays too, by the way. That's, they're both, you know, um, both emotive words. The word naked itself goes with Sundays. I, quite, I really like the combination. Thank and you. the word naked can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. In your case, it's about skin being naked, that is yes. not having makeup on. But a lot of other people might think of something else. And uh, It I, is I, provocative. It, it, it was provocative <laughs> in that it, it's evocative, provocative, but it also um, gets you thinking, you know, mm. what does that mean? So I, I think it's a bloody good name. So how the hell did you put it together? Mm. Like it, it was hard. It was hard. I Googled how to create a sunscreen and I found a bunch of chemists and I emailed every single one of them and I called every single one of them and I said to them, I want a sunscreen spray that is got my whole thing was no white cast. It needs to be clear. It needs to be able to war- be worn over makeup. White cast, I think is they that call it. White cast, yeah, they call it white cast. So right. it cannot be white. So to spray a sunscreen in your face is very difficult and it has to go over makeup. So it has yeah. to be clear. So that yeah. was my whole thing. So I called the chemist and they said, can't be done. And I would get samples. And as you say, there would be that white spray that you rub in. And I said, I don't want people to have to touch their face because I was very big when I was on the road that in a full face of makeup, you cannot touch your skin. So I used everything with a brush. I actually created an SPF brush, but that's as well. So everything was geared towards me needing these products. So anyway, I kept going. It took me two years. Yeah, we only. Yeah. So 2019, I started. 2020, 2019, 2020, I was like, I'm doing it. And then I only launched in January 2021. So by the time I was ready to launch and I finally got this, got it, and a, and a chemist came on board with me and we worked together on it for over a year. Um, finally, I was ready. And so I created an Instagram, as you do, um, for the brand. And I said, this product's coming. And then I had to hire someone to help me promote it because I couldn't do it under my name. And so I hired a PR and I said to her, right, we're going to launch it at the end of January or 1st of Feb. Um, do it. And she goes, okay, well, great. I need a founder story. I said, oh no, no, no founder. She goes, what do you mean? I don't understand. I've never launched a brand ever without a founder. Like, how are we going to promote it? I said, work it out. 
And so she said, all right, well, let me send it to these two girls who are like micro influencers that had maybe tens of thousands of followers, not, not hundreds or anything, maybe even less. And she said, let me put it in their hands and see what they think. Anyway, so she sends it to these two girls and they put it on Instagram. They're like, oh my God, I've never seen this before. It's a sunscreen spray you can wear over makeup. I love it. And suddenly our Instagram got flooded. Oh my God, not Mark. It wasn't like, I like this. I'd like to, buy. it was, I need this. I am desperate for this. I need this. When I go on my walk outside from the office, I need this to carry my car. I need this for my kid's sport. Like Did I need this. Have a re- was it ready to sell at that stage? It was ready to sell. Like So it was formulated. It was in a bottle in the it, warehouse. It, it, just so arrived. You, already, you already had it. Like had it ready to go. Manufactured. Done. And how many, uh, Canisters or whatever you call these We things. did to start off with, I had zero, zero budget. I would say we did um, 5,000 of these and 5,000, I did a cream as well, like right. to wear under your makeup. Yep. And so I said to the publicist, all right, we're going to launch two weeks early. We're launching tomorrow. And she said, what do you mean? I said, everyone needs it. They don't even want it. They need it. So my husband and I put in uh, money from our mortgage and savings. So you borrowed a bit of money from your mortgage. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Not advised, advised. I don't know. No, is that that's okay. I mean, for a for a business, yeah, okay, that's, that's a good way of doing it. It's the cheapest interest rate you'll ever pay. That's what he told me. Yeah. I was. <laughs> I said it's I want to do four products. He said we can afford two. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we did two, and okay, and then we said. We both have jobs. Either sells out and we're screwed, or we don't sell anything and yep. we're screwed. Either yep. way, well, you, you're not screwed. <laughs> there goes you, our money. You got a lifetime of uh, supply <laughs> of sunscreen. Lifetime of sunscreen. That's right. And so, so we launched the next day. It completely sold out within two weeks. The press jumped on it. It was like in the beauty press. They were like, oh my god, what is this? It was an Australian first. We can't believe it's here in Australia. Mecca saw it two weeks in. Brand new brand, they, they never do this. They're Australia's biggest um, seller of cosmetics with the world's biggest. And they said, We want you on board. Um, that took a nine, another nine months to launch. But, um, but yeah, a brand was born. So, at what point did you, did you say, Okay, I'm going to give up on my day job? So, <laughs> I am in a job that I am obsessed with. Do you know how hard it is to become a news reporter, slash, news reader, slash, weather presenter, slash, all the things that I was there, it was, that took me almost 20 years. I loved it. I was the girl that I was the lead news story every single day on Sunrise, the Australia's number one show. That was my life. And I loved it. I was, my bosses couldn't believe that I was excited to get out of bed at three o'clock in the morning and go to the, to the story. And they weren't glamorous stories. This is not glamorous. This is, this is hard work. Anyway. Um, so it got to the point where it was so big. Naked Sundays became bigger than I ever would have thought. It became a real business and it needed my full attention. And we didn't have any other competitors for a really, really long time. No one was in our space. It was just like a clear runway. It was a gap in the market. It truly, truly found a gap in the market. And so nine months in, Mecca said, we're launching you in October 2021 and we want you on our website as a founder. And I said, well... I'm going to have to quit my job. And it was hard, but um, I did and came out as a founder. And guess what, Mark? No one cared. No one cares. And the product had spoken for itself for the last nine months. Literally no one cared. I was like, here I am. No, because it didn't didn't matter. Well, fortunately, you didn't need to. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. side hustle you've done everything like 101 entrepreneurship it's like you know done everything that i talk about and everyone else talks about kept your job kept your day job until this became a business a proper business you've done everything properly <laughs> you know like but, I'm, but there's no way in the world it's all been perfect you know there has to be some challenges no, no. it's yeah it's, i mean what what tough. challenge are we talking about here you know i'm not from a business background I have never seen a PL. I didn't even know what a cash flow forecast was. In fact, just before I came here, I was in a two hour two hour meeting about cash flow forecasts and reading budgets and PLs. Well, like, explain that then. What, for what, someone do, you, like what me, do you mean a cash that flow is forecast? Hard. Okay. Um, so do I wish someone told me about all of this before I started? Yes. Um, everyone makes it look so glamorous. You've got this wonderful business. You're on um, the mental podcast. You know, you're on TV. Like it, it looks so glam. And you but, sold out day one. You keep selling out. Correct. One is sold every seven yeah. seconds. But that's that's mm. that's about cash flow management. Correct. And so I had to learn very early on about a discipline. So I had to learn about a P&L and I had to learn about a cash flow forecast. And I'm still learning, Mark. Because it's, it's complex. It's, it's, yeah. It's very complex and but the most important thing, you don't need to know how to read a PL or do the cash flow forecast as much as you actually need not to go broke. That's the yeah. most important thing. And you can deliver the product that you that say some mecca wants. So if they want oh, that's the other hundred thousand items, yeah. you have to pay for those day yes. one. I mean the people who manufacture this for you aren't gonna do it for free. They're not gonna hang out. They're not going to say, oh, you pay us in 220 days or something. Correct. They want to get paid because they've got wages paid. Although I did just ask them if I can have well, that's 120 different. days. But that's different now. <laughs> yeah, that's different now. Because, you know, yeah. you're a big customer. Oh, I used, to, I used to have to pay deposits. I used to have to pay up front yeah, yeah, so. when I started. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So um, so I guess there's two things here. There's understand. There's having a P&L and there's having a cash flow forecast. There's understanding it and then there's just not going broke. So to explain the cash flow forecast, I guess, is, you know, there's a finite amount of money here and you've got to make sure that we are stock building exactly what you said. So Mecca need a hundred thousand mists. And you got to understand their payment policy too. So as they sell, yeah, you don't necessarily get paid straight away, do you? Absolutely not. No, they're sixty day payment terms from them. Yeah, yeah, because so, they're big organisations too. They can, they can actually negotiate these deals. You know, otherwise, well, sorry, if you don't want to wait sixty days to get paid, 
I've never seen a retailer that gets paid that pays you in less than sixty days. Yeah, so that you have to cop their terms. But you're making I'm making the six months in advance. Yes. Yeah. So I'm really not getting paid for for eight months. Yeah. So you're waiting eight months. That means, and if you're going to give someone like Sephora fifty thousand units of this, and that's let's say they cost you two bucks each, there's a hundred grand mm. that you have to find day one and be prepared to wait Correct. for six to eight months to get. Your, your retail price back. Yes. So you better make sure that every single month you hit your sales targets and you don't overspend on things like influencer marketing, uh, gondolas, events, you know, all the fun stuff that I would have loved to have spent on. Yeah, good. and so it's not such an easy ride. So you're because as well as having to manufacture 50,000 of these and get them delivered, um, you also and, – and not get paid for it and yeah. you have to fund that. You also have to pay – for all the other costs of the business, the overheads of the business, whilst you're waiting for, I don't want to pick on Sephora, but Sephora in that example, <laughs> yes. to pay you, you know, six or eight months later for yes. what you what they sold, those 50,000 units they, they, they would have sold. So you've got, as you just said, you've got marketing, advertising, micro-influencers, rent, staff. You've got some people work for you. You've got yeah. someone who's packing this stuff, I presume. Or maybe you get it packed at the manufacturer, I don't know, but then you have to get it delivered, um, checked, quality control and then you have to that's just the one order then you've got all the other orders Correct. so if you're doing one every seven seconds around the around the world that's yeah. a lot of uh, bloody spray mist um <laughs> of all of which have to be funded yes and it's not just one lot of eight months it's something from this month eight months forward there's yeah. something next month eight months forward there's something for the month after mm. eight months forward so you've got a series of progressive cash flows yes so how does someone like you deal with that when it's not your background. You build a CFO dude in there. What do you do? I hate to say this. You call the husband. No, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I was lucky. I got lucky and I never, ever knew that a criteria for my husband would have been to be an expert in financial modelling, yeah. <laughs> but he happened to be. But you have to model it out. I just got lucky. Yeah. And so he, from the very beginning, is like what's measured is managed. Yep. And we measure this yep. and we have a cash flow forecast and you stick to it. Mm. And he just taught me discipline. And I just think a difference of a business that collapses after the first year and we've just seen one A good the business paper, too. It can be a good a business. A good business yep. with good management, but they just weren't disciplined in their cash flow forecast. I'm not saying I'm perfect and I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I was taught very early on what's measured is managed. You, you, you stick to your cash flow forecast. And then the other thing, Mark, which I'm not sure your other people do say or is advised is I, well, I think I have heard you say that, but, um, I hire very slowly, very like I've hired three people in two years. Okay. From the very beginning, I have mentioned that I did everything, everything. I taught myself Shopify web design, Shopify coding, pick and pack. I picked every, like I packed parcels up, Australia Post, like scanning, stuff like that, returns, how to do customer service, how to add apps to your Shopify so you can automate your customer service. Every last thing. I didn't learn how to fill the sunscreens, but if I could, I would have. I would have done it myself. I had zero staff. How do you learn that? How do you learn to Shopify code? I grew up being obsessed in my teenage years with computers. And I just taught myself how to create websites and I would do them for my friends. It's got to be in you. I think you can't just come into it going, I want to start a business. I'm going to teach myself Shopify. You can do that. But I, I was obsessed with it from an early age. So for me, it's something I enjoy. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm like, I, 
I am I am the CEO of a multi-million dollar company. I do not want to be the e-commerce bitch anymore. I just don't, but I do it. I check the website maybe 15 times a day. If products are sold out, I move them around. I upload every photo. I up, I respond to every comment on Instagram. Still. Still. I upload every post on Instagram. I edit all the reels that you see on our Instagram and they're amazing. I, I'm really proud of our social because, as I said to you, I used to have that column in the paper. I had to build a community. That was when I was 20, 22. This is now almost 20 years later. I had to build a community for Naked Sundays. And so I knew how to do that. Anyway, I guess my point is I only hired one staff member, which was a customer service person, after we launched into Mecca as a full time. Because we go back to this cash flow management. I need that $80,000 to buy stock. You're talking about the cost of an employee. Yeah. Yeah. I needed the money. Yeah, so just it's cash I'll flow. Just, it's I'll not the P and L. It's the cash flow. I'll just do it. Yeah, I'll do it. I didn't yeah. even pay myself a salary for the first year. I had my job, obviously, so I didn't need to. Thank goodness, but to now. Um, but so I did everything myself. So I hired the for very slow, and I vetted this girl for three, four months. She was a, a freelancer for me before she got hired, and then I wanted to hire a GM to do ops. So they're responsible now with making sure Mecca have enough sunscreens. Well, took me yeah, a year to find. But could you explain uh, some what, what ops means? So yes, you know, like uh, the logistics, etc. What does ops mean? Yeah, what, what has that individual taken over from you? So what he took over was when Mecca orders an order, so they put in order for ten thousand sunscreens. He makes sure that we have created those sunscreens three months, six months beforehand, that they're in the warehouse. So so forecasting with what we need, then getting them created, then getting them sent to the warehouse and then getting them sent to the retailer. It's a very involved job. So logistics job. Logistics, it's, it's yeah. logistics, making sure that everything works for the, in your case, the customer is Sephora, for example. Yes, the, example the retailers. Before, the retailer. That's your customer? Yes. They deal with their customers who end up buying your product, but your customer is the retailer or the distributor, retailer. And you need someone or every business needs someone when you get to a certain size anyway to make sure that those things happen as ordered, on time and on budget. Exactly. That was his KPI. On time and on budget. That was his KPI, two things. Yeah, that's the brief. That's the brief. And then he then, if he can do that, that then allows you to run a proper cash flow forecast. Yes. Because you know when you've got to pay for these things to be produced and you also then and assuming that they get delivered to the place that needs to be delivered to at a certain date you you can pretty much forecast after through experience when you expect to get paid correct so then you can sort of say okay that's the amount of cash is going to come in you know when i was in business with kerry packer the only thing that mattered to him he didn't care about profit loss even darren all that bullshit he said to me look at the end of every month how much money came in how much money went out how much are we owed and how much do we owe it's pretty simple. That's not and like that's not. I you, love that. It, that's all that matters. I At the love end of that. the month, you can do it every two months, whatever. Every week, every day, if you want, if you can. These days, you can. You know, because of you know zero and all those other accounting systems, you can probably look at that. You can get that information. But all he wanted to, me to tell him every month exactly that, son. How much money came into the bank account? And and you know he would make sure that it was there was a bank reconciliation. We could he could check that. He had his uh, one of his CFO, his CFO was on my board. But how much money came in for the month? How much money do we spend for the month? Month overheads, wages, everything else, and what are we owed? And how much do we owe? Making sure that we're always in a positive position. It didn't always happen. Sometimes you're in a negative position for timing reasons. But that's all that mattered to him. That's I love that was that. his cash flow game. 
I'm exactly um, the same. Yeah. I'm the same. And I had a, the meeting this morning that I had. They said to me, we don't want to do, we don't want to give you the cash flow every week. I want it every week. And I said, well, I want it. I want to see it every week. I just, under my watch, we're not going to go broke. That's my one thing. You know, that's what. And why got, is that? Why are you so thinking about that? Like, what's the deal there? Do you, you watch others go broke or have you seen someone go broke in your life or you're trying to prove a point to someone or does your husband challenge you that uh, you, you're not going to make it? Mark, there's a couple of things, but I am the director of the company yep. and my director's duty is that, well, you're not allowed to run insolvent. Yep. And so if we don't, if we are insolvent, I can't, we can't run the business. Insolvent means what? I think it means that you run out of money. Yeah, so you can't pay your bills. <laughs> can't pay your bills, right. But you know, Mark, the big thing for me is I have now hired staff. I have four staff and I actually three, sorry, I have three, <laughs> including me, there's four, there's four of us. I don't care about myself. I care. They have put, especially our GM, you know, he quit his, his uh, he, he was a manufacturing guy for 20 years. He quit his job to come work brand side. And he has, they rely on, they rely on working to pay their rent, pay their kids' school fees. Like, I, um, I yeah, mortgage or whatever. You know, I just, I look at them, I'm like, I've, I have a duty. Yep. To them. Yeah. yeah 100%. To yeah, them. Are you guys, are you and your husband, I mean, I'm assuming your husband is a shareholder, but are you guys are the only shareholders? You've got investors now. So very early on, we completely sold out. We didn't have any money and we got on board um, uh, an investor who gave us just a very small amount of money, which helped us continue on with the business yep. and that was really helpful. It was a good cash flow injection. Yeah, and they, and, they took, um, and they took a percentage of the business. And then just recently we were able to partner with um, a – a VC, we partnered with a fund in um, in the US, um, who took a chunk, who took a small amount of the company and gave us some more funds, which has been really helpful. And that's just particularly to expand into the US market. Right. So that, that's a, that only just came in. We have been running on a shoestring budget. I will tell you now. I am the cash flow forecast person. The pin. I am the CFO base. I am the CFO. Um, shoestring budget up until the money came in, which was only recently. Two weeks ago, and we have not expanded. We have not used any of that to expand yet into the US. We have done everything ourselves. When it comes to raising money from, say, the US, is it important when you're presenting to them? Is it important for them to know that you're raising money in order to launch into the US? I mean, if you were just saying we just need to raise money because, you know, we're going okay, but. You know, we want to expand here in Australia, or or is it better to be able to say we want to raise money from you so that we can launch into your market? How how important do you think that is? You know, actually, interesting, Mark. They came to me and said we would like to take you into the US, so right. we will give you money to do so. How well are you doing right now in order for us to want to help you? How do they find you? In LinkedIn. LinkedIn, really? Yeah. So, yep. but I mean, I'm well, sure they, they came saw... to you through LinkedIn, but Correct, how do they sorry. know about you? Yeah, I'm sure. How do sure. they know about you, the product? Look, I think we slowly did small little things in the US. I went there a couple of times last year and did some influencer activations. We launched into Revolve and have done very well there in the US. And so they must have seen something. They must have seen us. I think they were researching specifically for SBF sunscreen products from Australia because they right. know we're the leaders in sunscreen. And I think they came across my business and we had all the – we ticked all their boxes. Because it's an important question because um, – or an important answer because a lot of people like who are entrepreneurs and startups are out there trying to work out how do I get on the radar of these big fund managers or these big mm. investors or the big VCs? How do I get on their radar? 
And I'm, I'm just curious to think, well, you said they came to you, so yeah. they got their radar out, but what was it do you think you were doing that got onto their radar? I only started doing paid ads a month ago in the US. Right. Yeah. So, so it wasn't what that. Do you reckon it is? It wasn't the influence. It may have been an influencer um, lunch that I did. So I did get a PR company just for three months in the US to test the waters. It's a completely different market. To launch into the US, everyone says that. But until you are doing it and you are there and you realize just how big and different it is. But I did not realize the scale. I've been in media my whole life. So I knew how to launch a brand into the Australian market. And I thought I knew in the US, but I didn't, but I tried twice last year. And they may have seen some of that. I got a bit of press. I got some influences. I did an event. I posted some socials, but I have a feeling that they literally were just Googling around going sunscreen Australia and ours came up because we are number one in Mecca. I I guess that helps too. um, Because they do their research. What we don't realize is they're doing their research. Yeah. If they make a decision, we want to invest in sunscreen mm. or, or we want to get into this particular market, they work it out pretty fast. So they come to you. They say, um, you know, Sam, can we talk to you about your product? We're looking to invest in these sorts of businesses. What's the process look like? It looks like a cash flow forecast is presented. Yeah, so that's what they want. <laughs> they want to show us your cash flow. Yep. Show us your forecast. Yep. Show us how this is going to go. Show us where, what markets you think you could get into and how. What is your plan? What's your marketing plan? What are your new products that you're bringing out? What is your strategy to enter a new market and how much is going to cost is basically the two main questions. And effectively they fund you the cash flow or the lack of cash flow that yes. you need whilst you wait for whoever it is that's got to pay you in the US as a result of launching into the US. Yep. And do you, and when you launch into the US, did you, do you propose to launch in the US the same way as you launch here in Australia using microprocessors or mini, small pro, uh, microprocessors, <laughs> micro influencers, influencers yeah. or small influencers? Yeah, correct. Or do you do it through being on the shelves of whoever, Mecca or Sephora or whoever it is in the US? It's a twofold. Right. It's both. Um, it's going for- Because they want to know that. They want to know that, correct. Because they want to see that you can sell this bloody stuff. Like they, they, yeah. they, they give you a chunk of money. Yes. And they've got to wait. They've got to be patient it's investors. It's not only them, Mark. It's the retailers as well saying, can you sell your product once you're in us? Yeah. So they are asking the same questions that an investor is asking. So I have to take the nine months that I took from in Australia to get into Mecca and sell. We sell down in Mecca in 24 hours of three months worth of stuff. In Australia? Yes. Yep. So I need to rip, rinse and repeat so yeah. I need nine months from now to make a splash in the market in the US with our influences, micro-influences, new product launches, PR, media, and then in nine months' time I may be ready to launch into a retailer. The retailers are asking the exact same questions. We don't want you launching in our retail store unless you are going to sell out. So how, how do you, are you gonna, And they say, how are you going to do that? Well, how, do, how do you prove that? I mean, how do you demonstrate that? What do you do? I have showed them how we did it at, in Australia. Yep. That's so you use Australia as a proxy for the US correct. market. Yes, yep. Yep. and and that was tested and proven. And so now I have to prove that I can do it again in the US. And is and and your investor, do they say we'll give you the money or we'll let you draw the money down, subject to you getting getting a deal with these retailers, or they just give you the dough first and they say go for it? There's a bit of both. A bit yeah, of both. there's definitely a bit of both because if you are going into one of these major retailers, there is it's 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 not pay to play. It's pay to play in the US, as in you won't get sales unless you pay a lot of money for your influences, your celebrities, your events, and everything. But really, in the retailers, you pay to be in there. 
you have to pay for your space, you have to pay for your, uh, your I, they call it a gondola, but it's a display yeah. cabinet. You pay for your marketing extra. You pay for every placement that you have on their newsletter, on their website. You pay. So that will cost, it depends what retailer, but sure, if we get into one of the majors, I'm going to need more money. So, yeah, so, and I don't think most people realise that retailers just take them take the view that they're a marketing organisation and you're buying their shelf space yes. for which they market and that if you want to buy the buy the shelf space, you have to pay. You have, there's, there's a payment required and there's a whole lot of paraphernalia that you have to provide them with too to make make them or de-risk their position. Yes. So you've got to de-risk their position, which means you've got to find an investor who can Understand. stump up with the dough straight away. Because I'm sure your mortgage uh, or the equity in your mortgage is quite <laughs> enough to uh, go out and uh, borrow again. That's that's gone. Particularly the current interest rates. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't want to have to do that again. So, and and in terms of how much equity you give away, I mean, you don't have to tell me what the deal was, but do you mind giving equity away in order to build a bigger business? I mean, how do you do? You, do you have to grapple with that? I do. Yeah. I really struggle with that, but the um, I I'm now very experienced. I have to say, because um, the first people that gave me money took too much equity, and I always remembered that, and I always remembered that I lost some rights. Yeah, so they and buy. I will they, never. So they buy. They buy the right to veto decisions. So you maybe ex- quickly explain that. What do you mean by you I lost some rights? I think by Australian law. And I don't know the exact percentages, but I pretty, I'm pretty sure that I know because when I went to get a, let's say you go and get a, a loan, you know, if someone owns more than, is it 20 or 25%? 25. Okay. So if someone owns more than 25%, you need their signature on, on your loan. Yeah. Same thing with how my shareholders agreement was written, that if someone owns more than 25%, they get rights to vote in certain ways and they get certain decision they making. They get rights to veto your decisions. Correct. And yeah. so I... I I had my first um, loan came in or investment came in over 30% and so that really took away a lot of my rights. And I'm not from this industry and I don't know what I don't know, which is nothing, but, um, but I learned very quickly and I'm a very quick learner and I very quickly learned that if I want this business to last, I am with <laughs> Mr. Packer in that how much money did we spend and how much money came in. I'm not of the school of I need a GM, I need a assistant. I that's not my school. I'll do all that stuff. Money in, money out has to not be more. It's like it's basic, right? Yeah. But the people that were on my team didn't understand that basic concept because they come from a lot of money uh, in their companies and yeah. they don't need to worry about that stuff. I do. I'm a small business. I was a small business. So we're still now a small a medium. business. I'm now a medium. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe in terms of revenue, you're not small, but like oh, very small. Just, Three, I mean, Jenna Reinhardt says yeah. she's a small business owner. Like she's got massive revenue, but she's <laughs> because she still sees herself as not a, a big okay. multinational or a big whatever. Like she's a really yeah, totally, and okay. that's right. Like I still consider Yellow Big Road a small business. I mean, I got like big volumes, but we're a small business. We have a small business mentality. Um, it's run by you know two or three people. I got like hundreds of people working, but like two or three people. And I, and I think that's a good way to be. Okay. Yeah. It's the best way to be. You know, like we, we sold our business for large sums of money to the wizard business to General Electric, but Kerry and I always took the view we were a small business. Wow. Always. And what um, business was that? Wizard. Oh, wow. I you know, we sold the wizard business to General Electric in two thousand four for hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, many hundreds of millions of dollars. But I always took the view it's a small business. It doesn't matter yeah. what the price was. Okay. And uh and we ran it that way. Um, and we rent, and like you do, and yeah. I think there's a big lesson in this. 
not to get carried away with yourself. You still be prepared to do everything in the business. Yeah. You've got to be the chef, front of house, order the, the, the goods for the restaurant. Yeah. Like you've got to be able to be able to do everything. So you've got to know what you're doing yeah. and be prepared to do everything and continue to do everything until the day comes when there's so much money coming through that you can relieve yourself a little bit. And if you don't know how to do something, do you learn? You gotta learn it. You gotta learn. You gotta learn it. You must learn it. And don't don't say I'll buy someone in. Okay. You've got to. And and when there comes to an investor, investors like to know that every part of the business is covered by the founder or founders. Really. So, investors will like to say, well, if Sam knows marketing and whatever, one or two other things, cash flow, I want to make sure one of the other co-founders knows IT, websites and everything else, e-commerce, et cetera, everything mm. else is, and, and logistics. If you don't have a co-founder, then I want Sam to know all of those things. Okay, yeah. Because I don't want Sam, I don't want co-founders, founders and or co-founders to be relying on employees because employees do not have the same drive and ambition as the founders and employee just gets up and goes. How do you grapple with that? Uh, well, I I always partner up. So whatever my business is, I always have partners who are yeah. good at certain things okay. that I'm not good at. And, or things so you I, bring them in? I bring them in as partners, founders. Right. So I give them equity. Yeah. They so you're not scared of, of giving equity? No way. No. No way. Like, they've got equity. They've got I, equity. I take the view if I can't do those things, then mm. I need a partner who can do those things okay. and I give that particular, yeah, particular Rather than yeah. an employee for no. the big things, obviously. Yeah. yeah, but there are the five big things. as e-commerce, logistics, if you're manufacturing stuff yeah. in your case, marketing and product. Okay. And and funding probably is the third one, mm. you know, like yes. a, a fifth one. So, like, you know, they're, they're the things that I, I can cover most of those these days. But, you know, the mental business, I have a partner and uh, he's very good at certain things that I'm not good at. And uh, this business here, um, he's a, you know, a media guy who's in publishing and all sorts of things around publishing, broadcasting. Mm. I mean, he's Nick Fordham from the Fordham Group. And Nick, you know, knows this territory. I don't know it. Like right. uh, I'm good at certain things. I know how to talk in front of a camera and stuff like that and I can hold a, carry a conversation. But I also recognise that this business is actually a pub- we're a publisher. We're a broadcaster. Um, we're not Channel 7 but that's what we do. We make our money out of advertisers. Um, mm. And uh, if we don't make money, then it's going to be coming out of my kick to pay all the stuff. So I needed someone who understands that stuff and Nick understands that stuff. So I, I just put it to him. Let's go on this mm. deal together. Day one. I love that. He's not putting money yeah. in. I funded it all yes, myself, but, but, you but I him. needed him and I needed him to be. So instead the, of hiring him, I, I, him I brought in. him as a partner. Brought him in. Yeah, and that's that. really important. You, mm. You've got a great business, Sam. I actually love the colour. Like I'm probably not going to spray <laughs> it, but, but I, 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 I wonder where to, apart from the US, but where to from here? Final question for you. Where to from here? Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you say that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got, you got a kid now, haven't you? I do. She's yeah. six. She wakes yeah. me up every morning at five. Um, but look, I'm on the I'm on the email to the US at four because yeah. I got to be in their time zone. So, yeah. um, so I'd love some. Honestly, I, I would love some sleep. And so I think where to from here is um, uh, expanding the portfolio, making the best products that we can make, and um, expanding geographically and keeping narrow with our theme. Yep. and our audience and our target audience and our target market, um, we're only at the beginning of our geographical expansion. So there's a long way to go. Um, and then just being able to have a team that can run the business without me in it 24-7. Yeah, that's, that, that's a very interesting point. So it's I think it's really important when you've got a lean group, you're working lean mm. and therefore there's a lot more onus on you and burden on you. 
in terms of your in terms of your work time, work hours, and now you got a kid who requires time from yeah. you and obviously you and your husband or her dad. Um, it's very important to not overstretch yourself. You know, at this stage you now you've got to control your ambition. So it's it's quite interesting you're just launching into the US. You know, like give it a good run. Mm. Give it a good go before you think, oh, maybe you now we should go into London or Russia or Moscow or something. I don't know, wherever. It's but, too you know, late. Too late, yeah. <laughs> so you already Trying done to it. do everything together. No, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, because though. otherwise yeah. you, you can't, you, if you need saying. sleep, yeah. if you feel as though you're getting a bit sleep deprived, you're only young, but if you feel as though you're getting a bit sleep deprived, it doesn't take long before it wears you out. Right. And then you make a mistake. Has that happened to you? Yeah, totally. I've been through And then you process. make mistakes, you feel. You make mistakes. Yeah. And uh, and I've made those mistakes, so so you've got to be careful. Like big of that. mistakes, big mistakes. So and and because we all think we all like to think we're bulletproof, and we're not. And we especially when we've had a really good run, we mm-hmm. think we're bulletproof. Um, and particularly when we're younger, we think we're bulletproof. But the mistakes could be personal mistakes. In my case, end up having getting ex wives in a. The, the relationships don't work out or I don't right. spend enough time with kids, that's a mistake you don't find out for, for 20 years. Yeah, right. And you never get that back. That's a mistake. It's a big mistake. Not so much business mistakes. but I, I did make some business mistakes but these are all th- important things now. We're different when it was just Sam on her own or whatever. Like it's just mm. you and the hubby, no dramas. We'll, sweep, we'll work it all out. You know, like you said at the beginning, oh, we'll sell 5,000 or we'll have 5,000 canisters left. Yeah. There's, there's no consequence for that mistake. Mistakes now, consequences because you've got a really good business that's worth a lot of money. You've got shareholders which you're responsible to. You've got uh, staff you're responsible to. You don't want any mistakes for them. You don't want any mistakes for your shareholders. You don't want any mistakes for your kids. You don't want any mistakes with your husband. You don't want any mistakes with your broader family. You don't want to make anything, do anything wrong by yourself either. So now's the time, I think it's really clever to stick to your lane. Mm. Not get to it. Now's the time to control your ambition. Okay. No, the ambition of the business. Yeah, I see. I know what you're saying. It's different to yours. I know what you're saying. The ambition of the business, and uh, and particularly given what's going on in the world like, at the moment, like is it just a little bit unstable? Like economically, we don't. I mean, I'm not saying that people stop buying sunscreen because it's probably one of the things that's recession proof. To be mm. honest with you, but you know, it's not like I got to get one of these every week, and it's like a. It's it, you know it's it's a thing I can sort of say oh no I go buy a cheaper version you know it yeah it's not one of those things I think it's probably fairly recession proof but you know it's just a time to especially if you just brought on a new shareholder it's yeah. it's a good time to okay just package it all up and make sure it all works and stick with that program and I, I think that's mm. I, I like the fact that you're talking about sticking to one product and just continually purposefully in a controlled way, building it out into the different geographies. And when you need the money, go and see a new investor. Yeah. That makes sense to me. But Sam, I run out of time. So, uh, and I and I don't know, do, do, by the way, can I, do got, I mean, obviously guys can wear it, but is is you just spray it on your face. Yeah. Do you close your eyes, obviously? You close your eyes, close your mouth. You can spray it on your arms. Women love it because if their husband's running out the door, they just spray it on the back, you know, the back of your neck. Yeah, can yeah, get, going to um, golf or something. Yes, Not it can get burnt. That, but but um, men love the way it smells and they love the fact that it's clear. Yeah, so 
Yeah, it's quite brilliant, actually. Thank well you. done. Good well, job. Well, it was the first. You know, first yeah. to market's always hard, yeah. but it was the first, yeah. so in Australia. Well, sometimes they say it's not good to be first, uh, not good to be a pioneer, but um, you've, it was hard. <laughs> you've done it and you've got through Thank all the you. hoops. And um, congratulations um, on Naked Sundays. Um, and I actually will take this, if you don't mind. Thank you for having me, Mark. It was You're wonderful. Welcome. Most welcome. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast.